Welcome back if you're familiar and welcome if you're new. I'm your host, Chad Hostack, and today I wanted to share some afterthoughts I had about the previous episode, understanding the current state of America, and sort of go over my process and frameworks about how I approach podcasting, how I approach making podcast episodes, and um, some more commentary on the current state of things. So one thing I would like to bring up is that when I listened to my episode back and I do replay certain episodes I make because I'm really proud of them, just like the last one. And I do understand that I could have caused anger or, you know, maybe someone to no longer be a viewer of mine, or maybe someone wants to um, cancel me for some of the things I've said. And I, There's this Jordan Pearson quote I really like where he said something like, in order to think critically, you have to risk being offensive. And this podcast is about my worldview. So we're bound to have topics like that that are controversial and difficult to talk about. Um, And I do have critiques about some of the phrasing I've used. Um, There's ways I could have been a bit more precise and more accurate with the things I had to say. And that was my most worked on episode where there's a lot of original audio to it. However, there's certain sections I re-recorded um, some of the parts to have more accurate phrasing. And the thing is like, I didn't want to overthink it and I didn't want to overdo it. Um, you know, don't fix something that's not broken, right? Um, but fix the things that are broken. And so I also deliberately sometimes leave inaccurate phrasing in the original audio, even in other episodes, because it can elicit strong emotional responses and get people to think and talk about the things that I'm talking about. So there's a little bit of like neutral social engineering going on there. Um, but it's, it's all for the sake of public discourse and nothing else. Um, So if I made you smile, I succeeded. And if I made you think, I succeeded. Those are the two primary goals I have when um, posting content on the internet, along with the purposes foundational, which would be, you know, my content, especially my podcast is dedicated to my nephew, Micah, and the younger version of myself. And those are the two primary people I'm really speaking to. When I make podcasts or when I write newsletters, I, I think of them. And I was a very challenging to deal with, you know, teenager and young adult. I, I got a little easier to deal with as I got older, including in my 20s and young adult life, like 17, 18, etc. However, it, it's like, that's why I boil everything down as simplistically as I can. And I try to present the best arguments by hitting my arguments with the biggest hammers I can find and questioning them. And I show what I produce. And, uh, you know, when I was listening to the section, the second talking point, not about division, but when I was talking about the general politics and public discourse in America, the different groups pinned against each other, like the trustfuls versus skepticals, left versus right and everything in between, etc. Um, I, I really wish I would have talked about how... There's also people like me who show their real name and show their real face and their voice, etc. 
on the internet. I have a personal brand as Chad Hostack. And then there's people who are anonymous. And people who have anonymity, who are anonymous, they get to say the craziest things. And they better not get caught, right? That's the catch to it. They better not get found out who they are. And you'll notice those two different people, the kinds of people, um, conversing or arguing with one another. And it's interesting because the non-people kind of lose social status and credibility because they're afraid to show their real name and face with what they really think. And then the people like me who show their real name and face lose social credibility in social status because uh, we're not, we're, our hands are tied. We have to say things in a way that work for everybody, right? Unless you're just someone who's truly unhinged, which I respect people who are truly unhinged, whether it's Trump or Kanye West. I respect people that are truly unhinged. Um, it, you know, it's like, how would I behave if I was in a non-account? And the thing is, I did make an anon account, a sock account, whatever you want to call it. And I didn't do anything with it because I just didn't want to... Rock the boat in that kind of way. I like seeing trolls, but I don't like being the troll. That's the difference. It's kind of like you like hearing singers sing, but you, you're you not a singer yourself, so therefore you're not going to sing. Or something like that, right? Well, it, it's interesting because both different kinds of people play very important roles in political discourse. The anonymous people get to the core of the matter in a brutally honest way which drives the conversation, the public discourse of politics and things like that, um, or any discourse, um, towards solutions. Um, I'm not saying that all anonymous people do that. There are anonymous people who are purely there to just bring chaos to the situation, and they say radical, crazy things. Like There was this really smart man that I have some respect for, um, I'm not going to mention his name, but um, he's really intellectual. However, with his non-account, he was saying things that were too crazy. And if you talk crazy, I block you. I, 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 I wish I didn't have to block him, but, you know, promoting the idea of suicide or the idea that women are evil or that... Um, or, or that uh, he would rather commit violence on a woman than make love to one. Like, When you talk crazy like that, I, I can't associate. I'm sorry. It, it, it's crazy. And I don't agree with these views. I don't condone these views. However, aside from you know, that side of him, he, he's very smart, very intellectual, smarter than me for that matter. He says things in a way where I don't understand them. And I love following people like that. That's how I got in touch with him in the first place. And I hope he's doing well. And if he chooses to um, be more, if he chooses to be unhinged, but in a more, like if he chose to have better social cohesion, I, I would be more willing to follow him and converse with him. And, you know, it, it's people like him that are deeply misunderstood because he probably is a caring person at heart. And, he probably has good intentions. I'm not saying definitely, but I'm saying it's a possibility because we're all gathocacological. We're all comprised of good and evil and the capacity to do good and evil. 
And I believe in his capacity to do good. And I, if he, what I'm saying is like, if he chose to use that capacity more than saying crazy things, you know, I'd be more willing to associate with him. So not all anon accounts are equal, right? <laughs> um, there, there's anon accounts that drive things forward. There's anon accounts that bring chaos, and there's also anon accounts that are just purely there for meme or business. And there's a variety of different other kinds of anonymous accounts. However, in the political discourse or even gender discourse or race discourse, whatever, whatever kind of world problem-y thing, um, you know, anon accounts play a very um, significant role in how public discourse works going towards solution and also chaos and making people think and elicit emotional responses. I do it. We all do it. We all kind of social engineer each other in a way. And we all kind of impose our will in a way, or maybe not impose, but we all share our worldview through our example and what we say. <clears throat> what we communicate in the different facets of it. <clears throat> different facets of communication. And so real people like me, you know, people who show their real name and face, accounts like that, we play an important role where we're showing how principled we are and we're able to, like, show our faces. Like, there's courage to it. And uh, we drive um, political discourse um, towards solution in a way, well, I guess, I guess, like, they do the same things, really. Um they, they have their different advantages, though. So it's like the anonymous accounts have the advantage of just being brutally honest and saying saying things, you know, saying things unfiltered, I'll say. Raw and unfiltered. And um, real people, we have a disadvantage where we can't really talk like that, whether we want to or not, or we're naturally like that or not. That's our disadvantage, but our advantage is, is that we're a representation of a real person of the view whatever the views are and so there's respectability there there's credibility there and uh it's just an interesting set of things and you know i i had like a pseudonym kind of situation i was going as uncle cheddar rico back in 2018 and 2019 the reason I gave that up is I didn't respect myself for not using my real name. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of my real name, Chatterico. That's a nickname my old band manager gave me. Um, but I wanted to go by my real name. I chose a pet name, C.M. Hostack. Close enough. Close enough to Chad Michael Hostack. And so I went by C.M. Hostack for a while as my personal brand. And I just changed it, changed it to Chad Hostack because... I found my final truth about the sands of time bearing everything, everyone. And you know what? I, I just want to be me and I want to show people it's okay to just be yourself. You know, whether you're a humble person like me or you're an asshole or a bitch or whatever kind of person you are, it's okay to be you. And so, um, that's an interesting other uh, set of groups of people that say a lot about, you know, the current state of things with technology um, tech censorship. So there's also censorship. There's pro-censorship people versus anti-censorship people. There's various different groups and dichotomies. Like there's a lot of different, um, groups, um, that every individual, we all 
like can fit into one side of these things. Or if you're indifferent, you might be able to look at both sides. Or even if you're not different, you could look at both sides. Like there's there's a lot of different dynamics and there's a lot of different kinds of people saying all different kinds of things in different ways and they all have different situations like some people are anonymous and have that freedom but they're not respected because they're not showing their real name and face and then there's people like me who show their real name and face and they're not respected because they're not saying unhinged what they really think um but they are respected for showing their real name and face and being able to talk about hard subjects and controversial subjects they're willing to risk being offensive with their real name and face and brand. So there's vulnerability and strength. And, you know, each one's going to have its pros and cons, its advantages and disadvantages. So uh, moving forward, like some of the frameworks, like part of like the process of how I build my frameworks is like I think about things from a epistemology standpoint, the study and theory of knowledge where basically everything is inherently subjective, but that's also kind of not true because something can't exist without its opposite. So there is room for objectivity in reality. And there's also room for free will in reality to some capacity. I do believe there's room for objectivity and free will. And that's part of my worldview because the concepts itself exist and it makes enough sense that they can exist. Not to say that's possible they don't, but I'm, it, I'm saying like these illusions if they are illusions, they make enough sense to be believed in. But they also could be not illusions, and they could be real, and they are, in fact, authentic and real things. And I also look at things from a nihilistic perspective about the inherent meaninglessness of things. And the reason I approach things there in that way is because then it gives me a better competitive advantage to figure out what is the best value of something. Because even though there's inherent meaninglessness, there's inherent meaninglessness in life, uh, and there's there's absurdity to that. Well, we have the ability to give life our own meaning, you know, from our internal world to the outer world, right? The, the external world, you know, from metaphysics to physics. So. You know, thinking about things nihilistically and then thinking about things existentially, I, I get to determine what is the highest value piece of knowledge I have. What are the highest value questions and ideas and thoughts that I have to give to the world today? So those are like the extreme variables I, I explore in order to come up with something as concrete and coherent as possible. And also worthwhile and valuable and perhaps even entertaining. <coughs> and I'm glad I took the risk of publishing that episode, that political commentary, the previous episode, Understanding the Current State of America. I didn't run it by my most trusted counsel like I typically would. I don't always do that, but I typically do, especially on subjects that are controversial. But, you know, I wanted to take a risk because life is about taking risk. And I didn't want to risk changing important thoughts, you know, in case my counsel would advise that. Or I didn't I also didn't want to risk being tempted to not post it because I might be advised by counsel to not post it. And that's the advantage and disadvantage of having a most trusted counsel. The advantage is they help you protect your interest. The disadvantage is sometimes, like, they'll help you play it too safe. 
I'm not saying they will always do that, but I'm saying that's a component of it sometimes. That's a happening of it sometimes. It's a byproduct of it. And, you know, so uh, even though playing it too safe can lead to bad outcomes, you know, like something not being posted or something being changed to where it's no longer magnificent or like a masterpiece, you know, the the thing is, like, it's coming from a well-intentioned place. They're trying to protect your interests. So it's, it's important to recognize that. So just because something bad is happening doesn't mean it's not coming from a good place. Intentions do matter. What matters more is the result and dealing with that. But it's also important to realize, like, just because something bad happens doesn't mean it came from a bad place. That's the nuance and, like, the perspective I'm going to throw out there. And so I still stand by everything I said in that podcast, right? Until I'm proven wrong about these things. And that's a tricky situation because how do you convince me to believe I'm wrong about something I've said when I have emotional investment in these things? And how do you persuade me to change my opinion or to change like the audio recording? You know, that's the tricky thing. It's kind of like sales or it is sales really like it's, it, but in a political, like, debate team, argumentative style sense, aesthetic like that. Um, you know, because I know I have my biases. I, I know I have my weaknesses. And there's men and women greater than you and I who have weaknesses and insecurities and they make bad decisions and mistakes. And they've been incorrect and they have also been morally wrong. Well, the good news is we're all like that, right? We're all imperfect. However... Um, the best way to change my mind on something is to present facts, something that is concrete and objective. That is the best way to convince me, is if you have a better argument and you have a better conclusion. I'm not talking conceptually. I'm, I'm talking something that is um, it, like it being conceptually making the most sense is one thing. However, also seeing it how it could produce good results in reality is the other thing. So those would be the two key components of excellent uh, convincing and persuasion, where you're able to show that your concept makes more sense, and you're able to show and demonstrate that produces better results in reality. And not just theoretically, but theoretically is a part of that. So that's like the formula you're looking at for convincing and persuasion. And that's another component of how I make my podcast is I try to make the most sense of my concepts when I speak conceptually. And I try to demonstrate how it produces the best results in reality. And an example of that is I'm happy every day, or at least most days, with my philosophy. And I'm constantly advancing myself and achieving things I want to and making progress, and I have a state of Zen. So therefore, I know where I speak, and what I say um, is objectively good, and it should be good for you, especially if you're the type of person that I am, right? If you're more like me, my my insights and way of life, the my art of daily living should be applicable to you. And maybe that's not always the case, as there's always exceptions and outliers. And even if you're um, different than me, same thing applies. So that's also part of my process. You know, I 
I explore opposing variables and I bounce back and forth with them and I find the insights and nuances to them and I look at things through a nihilistic perspective than existential. I look at things through epistemology from how is everything inherently subjective and meaningless to how are things objective and what capacity could we use our free will to do good and how do we define what is good and I hit these things with the biggest hammers, like the most compelling arguments I can think of. Sometimes I soundboard it with my most trusted counsel. And um, I get to prototype episodes. And they help uh, uh, fix things. They help make things better and build upon my... they, They give me ideas to adopt and replace for my framework of reality. They help build upon my framework of reality. And that's a lot of the ways I do it. And one of my favorite movies is Thank You for Smoking. And I love that movie a lot. And, you know, it's really about manipulation, like at face value, that movie. You know, Nick Naylor, played by Aaron Eckhart, he's going around, you know, being a salesman, like as a lobbyist. He's using sales skills. He's using persuasion skills, like sophistry. He's using um, manipulation and... You know, it's, it's incredible. And there's this principle he had that he taught to his son that I really like. He said, if you argue correctly, you're never wrong. I'm going to say that again. If you argue correctly, you're never wrong. And that makes sense. Because if you argue correctly, how could you be incorrect or wrong? Right? Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. So that's why we should always aim to argue correctly. And that was a big inspiration to me when I was a teenager in the 2000s. That's when the movie came out in like 2005, I think. Like, it was a big inspiration for me um, to get good at negotiation, to get good at sales, to get good at persuasion, to get good at uh, convincing and things like that. It, it, it inspired me to have accurate frameworks of reality, accurate, the most accurate mental models I can build, the most accurate ideas I can adopt. You know, it, it, it inspired so much. Just that one principle inspired me to live my life in a way that makes the most sense as much as possible from a logical and ethical standpoint, a thinking and feeling standpoint, or those standpoints, rather. So that's sort of the thought process behind my podcast even further. And the reason I find it important for me to share my worldview is because I believe it could help other people. And I believe it could be valuable and have insights and knowledge and ideas for people to adopt and, you know, live a better life. We help each other and connect with each other through sharing our views, sharing our philosophy, sharing our worldviews. You know, that's how we create this meaningful, constructive dialogue with one another about how things should be and how things shouldn't be, and also understanding how things are. And the last thing I want to say on this is, in retrospect, like an afterthought about going over my frameworks and process and systems and rituals behind my podcast, I would say that I'm simply exploring different orientations towards the truth to understand the nature of truth. And I thought this would be worthwhile enough to share. <laughs>